and uh, we're going to dive right into it. How are you doing tonight, church? You good? Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to be with you tonight. My name is Jason, if we've never met. Uh, and tonight, the title of my message straight off the bat is Put God First. Everyone say, Put God First. Say it with some gumption, Put God First. Come on, amen. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for who you are. Lord, even as we've just praised you and worshipped you tonight, Lord, we thank you that you've already begun something in this room. We honour you and we glorify you in this place tonight. Lord, I pray that as I speak, Lord, I believe that you've given me a word. I pray that my my words would carry authority because they're your words, Father, and that, Lord, tonight we would grow closer to you, more in love with you. And as we leave this place, we would confidently know that we are putting you first, in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, if you've been around Hendrico, if you go to Redcliffe, you've probably already heard this 16 times because we got all of our stories from our road trip away. So we just, uh, we went on a road trip recently, me and Hendrico, uh, and we drove down, we played a bunch of golf. I'm not going to talk about the golf, but... We arrived in Newcastle, which is a really nice place. If you've, who's been in Newcastle? It's, pro- it's quite nice. I was like, I could move here, but then there's also the element of it. Anywhere you go when you're on holidays seems like 100 times nicer. But uh, Newcastle's really nice. We arrived, we got to our Airbnb, and then we were like, we need to go get some dinner. So we're just walking around Newcastle uh, to try to find a place. We walked around for way too long, and we land in this place that was playing the uh, Women's World Cup Australia versus England game. And there's all this excitement there, and so we, we got ourselves a palmy and sat down, and we got ourselves a pretty good seat, and it's on the screen there. We're just eating, and we're watching it. Now, I am not a soccer fan, a football fan, just for everyone who actually is. I'm going to say soccer tonight, so it makes sense to everyone else. Uh, I'm not a fan of it, but I got into this. You know, you get a bit of like Australian pride and and you're like, come on, girls, let's do this. And we're watching it. It's kind of like, yeah, it's good because I had some food at the same time. Uh, And I'm watching it. And if, if you saw the game, who watched that game, Australia versus England? All right, some of you guys. So if you don't, it doesn't matter. I don't even watch soccer. And Sam Kerr, like our best player, she got this break where she's running with the ball and she's pretty far out. And she just kicked it. She just booted it from so far out. It seemed crazy. And it went in. And the whole place just erupted. Like it went crazy. And Drake on our, on our feet. Ah! Like that. That was pretty much what we're doing. I never thought. I'd be sitting in a place like that watching women's sport with Hendrico Blackie. <laughs> if you know, <laughs> I won't add anything to that, but I literally thought about it on the way there. I was like, I would like to watch that game. And I'm like, Hendrico won't want to. He did though. He did. He did. And he got up and he celebrated that Sam Kerr goal. But in that moment, Oh, man, that was such a high in that moment. That was so exciting. I'm like, man, that's amazing. And in that moment, I'm like, it all makes sense now. The boring 90 minutes of watching the ball just go back and forth. Oh, wow, it kind of made it up. But then it went back this way and it went back that way. I've wanted to get into the sport before. I just couldn't wrap my head around it, though. You know, one time, some friends... We're going to go into the city at like 2 a.m. to watch this big game. This is years ago. I, I was like, cool, I'll go with you just for the social side of it. I went in with them, and then the place that uh, they were watching it in, you needed ID for, and for whatever reason, I didn't have my ID on me. And so I called someone up. They came and picked me up. I was a bit bummed, but I was like, don't really mind anyway. I stood outside, and I could see one of the TVs through like this, this glass pane. As I waited to get picked up, I saw a goal get scored. I'm like, amazing. Oh, wow, that's so cool. Got picked up, went home. Found out the next morning that was the only goal that was scored. 
And I think I win in that situation. I got to see the one goal that was scored. But from this one moment, this one Sam Kerr goal, I'm like, I want to chase that feeling. Like, that is actually exciting. So I've kind of got into it. I have a team. Since I started following them, they've lost all three of their games. But, uh, you know, I'm a long-time supporter, so I'm sticking through it. But even though I haven't been a, a soccer fan for long, I actually have a bit of a, a background, a bit of a heritage in soccer. And it comes through in uh, the Mackay PCYC under-8s indoor soccer team. Uh, that I played in and you know I was a part of this and I have fond memories of it and you know I couldn't find a, fo a photo of me in the soccer team but around the same age I was a bit of an athlete I guess here's me Pastor Mark playing AFL look at the form this guy doesn't know what's hit him he's just like oh no what's happening look at that I think that's probably the best I've ever kicked a ball right there that's amazing so I was about that age and uh, if you've ever watched you can take that down now. If you've ever watched under eight sport, any sport, you know that there's this one formation that seems to happen, seems to work in every sport. It doesn't matter if it's basketball, if it's netball, football, soccer, tennis. It's a very advanced formation where everyone on both teams compete in it. They, they do the same formation. You know, you don't see that often in sport where both teams cooperate in one formation. And it basically involves every single person on the field and sometimes people off the field getting in a circle around wherever the ball is and basically just trying to get the ball themselves. That is the formation right there. And in under eight soccer, it doesn't matter who your teammates are. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do as a team. All that matters is connecting this foot with that ball that's right there. And so what it looks like is a bunch of kids throwing a ball just doing this and kicking each other in the, sh the shins. Uh, I remember I had this special move. I was like, I was like I'm going to outthink these guys. I see what they're doing. Everyone's just around there. I'm going to think on a higher level. So what I did, I removed myself from the formation. See, already thinking two steps ahead. And then I ran full speed back into the, form, the circle and just kicked. <laughs> Let me tell you, I did not score one goal the whole season. And that was my last season there. Uh, but I remember having lots and lots of fun. I used to just bounce watching the ball, just being so excited. The adrenaline was there. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's a bit of fun. It's under eights. Uh, it would be very cute to watch and all of that. But it wouldn't be very successful. You know, it's not a very good strategy just to try to get in there and kick the ball. If you've ever done any team sports, you know that it's, you know, preached over and over again that you need to perform as a team. Put the team first. Put others first. You know, if you want to win, you can't be thinking about yourself. You need to think about the team. Put them first. You know, pass the ball off. Maybe you'll get it back. Maybe you'll score. And if everyone is only thinking about about their own performance, about what they can get on their stat sheet, and never, you know, letting their teammates touch the ball, you know, the chances of winning are slim to none, unless you have a professional athlete on your team in under eights indoor soccer. You know, we laugh at these kids. We laugh at the story of the kids kind of hogging the ball and all this stuff. Uh, but sometimes this is exactly what we do with God. We know that we should put God first in our life. Like, if you're a Christian, you know that you should put God first in your life. Every single Christian knows that. It is a known thing. You know, Matthew 6.33, one of my favorite Bible verses, says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, or seek first the kingdom of God, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You know, yeah, we love that verse. Isn't that a good verse? You encourage, he'll give you everything we need. Come on, amazing. But just like those under eights, Sometimes when it comes to, you know, a crossroads, a big decision in your life, you have to make a, a hard decision. And so like you've got the ball at your feet, 
And there's this big decision to make, this scary decision. And you can either pass it off to God and say, God, I surrender this to you. And you can let him take control. But sometimes we're just like, I don't know if I can trust God with this. And we just take a shot at it because we're too scared to pass it off. We're too scared to surrender and put God first. I know I've had moments like that. I've had moments where, for whatever reason, I thought I knew better than God. And I made the decision myself. I took the shot myself. And let me tell you, I don't have a very good record for things going well when I make the decision myself rather than God uh, giving it to God. We need to surrender all things to God. We need to give it all to God, put Him first in everything, and He will show us the right path. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, And do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So as we trust him with everything. Now, as I speak tonight, you might be like, yeah, I'm pretty good at putting God first. I'm here at church at 5.30 on a Sunday. Some people don't even go to church. Yeah, but we're talking about all things. Putting God first in absolutely everything that we do. Choosing him first and not just kind of like when it's comfortable, when it's good. Did you know that there is a battle in your life every single day? There is a war in your life every morning when you wake up. There is a battle going on in your mind. There is a spiritual battle for your attention, for your love, for your faith. There is a battle going on where there is an enemy that will do whatever they can to be able to steal your attention away from God, to steal your your love away from God, your faith away from God. And if we're not recognizing that, then we're doing ourselves a disservice because then we're just letting the enemy win. There is a constant battle happening in our minds. John 10.10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And you know, in this battle, in our minds, where the devil is trying to distract us and trying to take our attention and our faith and all of these things, in this battle, a lot of the time, the devil isn't just trying to make you like leave Christianity. He's not gonna try to do something that's gonna make you say no to God. You know know why? Because he's had a lot more success in just making God number two in your life rather than number one. It's a lot easier for the devil to make God number two or number three in your life so that he's not first than it is to make you walk away from Christianity completely. And I think that if the enemy sees you put God second or third or fourth or fifth in your life, he sits back and he's like, job well done. I've done a good job because God is not first in their life and God wants us to put him first. And so we don't even realize it sometimes. We just kind of go along and life is happening and there's these little things happening. There's these little choices that are being made where we're not putting God first in our lives. Let me tell you, if you put God first in your life, you will be the best version of yourself. It's how we were designed to live. He's our creator. He knows how we're wired. He knows the best life for us. And so when we put him first, when we choose his way every time, you'll be the best husband, wife, father, mother, son, daughter, friend, boss, co-worker, student. The best version of you is the version that puts God first. And that is why the enemy is fighting to make God second place or third place in your life because he doesn't want you to be at your best. He came to steal, kill, and destroy where God comes to give us a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life. Now, I want you to hear me tonight. I'm not standing up here saying, 
I always put God first and you don't, so you're bad. I'm, pre- you're, I'm preaching to myself right here. It's hard sometimes. It's not easy. Life can be really difficult, but it's the choice every day. It's making those decisions. There's that battle going. And you know what? Sometimes all you need to do is just to want to put God first. Sometimes when it's so hard, just as long as you say, God, you know, uh, Paul says in the Bible that I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. And, you know, this is, he was a really uh, switched on guy. And so just want the right thing sometimes and just want to put him first. And as you continue to fight that fight, he will help us through it. You know, you with me, church? We hear amazing, so good. You know, uh, one way that the enemy can kind of get in or even not even the enemy sometimes, you know, a lot of the time we just do it to ourselves, uh, is something that I like to call conditional faith. Everyone say conditional faith. Conditional faith can sometimes look like a fully surrendered and sold out life for God. Like you might see someone and it's like, man, they are on fire. They put God first in everything. Like I just know that they are just in the best spiritual and just like they're, they're there with God every day. They are amazing. Sometimes it can look like that. But their faith comes with conditions. And when I say they, I would actually say this is pretty much every single one of us in the room. I would say pretty much most of us are guilty of conditional faith. Without even really knowing it sometimes, we have conditions for putting God first. Because we're really happy, maybe we're really happy right now to put God first in our lives. You know, teenagers on winter camp, you're really happy to put God first, but then two weeks later something happens and all of a sudden it's not so easy to put him first. Maybe it's like, God, I will put you first in my whole life. I'll live my life for you if it's convenient. Or I'll surrender everything to you, God, as long as it's comfortable. As soon as putting God first becomes inconvenient or comfortable, uncomfortable, you're out. You think, you know, something bad happens. You're like, I didn't sign up for this. I thought, you know, Pastor Jason said putting God first meant a rich and satisfying life. Putting God first is meant I'm meant to have an abundant life. You know, what's this? Why am I facing difficult situations? Why is this uncomfortable and inconvenient? You know, the last time I read the Great Commission, it didn't say go into all of the places you are comfortable in and make really convenient decisions. I mean, sometimes I wish it did. That would be amazing. How good. Oh, man. It doesn't say that, though. You know, sometimes putting God first is going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes putting God first is going to be inconvenient. Can I say it will be a lot of the time because we are not of this world and we have a world of people who don't necessarily agree with God's way, but we need to stick with that, putting Him first in everything. John 16, 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials. Everyone say many trials and sorrows. And this is the good part, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Come on, he has overcome the world, church. He has won. We are victorious. That is worth celebrating. God tells us. He didn't hide it from us. It's not in a secret, hidden, uh, buried scroll of the Bible that wasn't added in. He tells us right there that there will be trials and there will be sorrows. But then he encourages us, take heart. He has already won. The victory is already ours. We are on the winning side. And so we can be glad in that when we face trials, when we face sorrows, we can hold on to the fact God has already won the victory He's already won the battle. I don't need to worry about this anymore. 
You know, if you walked in here tonight and, uh, you know, maybe Chris met you at the door. Chris met you at the door and he, he's such a nice guy. He's just like, hey, how you doing? He knows like all the things you're going through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just, because he's such a good guy, he just leans over and he's like, hey, I just heard something and I feel like you need to know. He's like, I just heard that, I don't know why, but Hendrico hates you. Hendrico, I don't know what happened, but Hendrico just hates you. He's nodding right now, so it's true. Chris wouldn't lie either. You walk into church tonight and it's like, man, Hendrico hates you. You know, you're going to be, you could be sitting on the other side of the auditorium. You're going to be worshiping and praising, kind of looking over. And if Hendrico did this, he yawned and kind of like looked over, you'd be like, oh man, he's giving me a dirty look. What's he thinking? He hates me. You know, he could, if he did announcements, he could get up and he could say, we've got Women's Coffee Connect tonight. Oh, why did he say that? That really hurts me. And everything that he says, come on, turn your eyes to the screen. Why is he bossing me around? Everything that Hendrico says, because that Chris has told you that he hates you, you're going to put it through this filter, and you're going to believe that, because that's how you view Hendrico. That's how you see him. It's not true, but it's how you view him. You know, there's a quote that what comes into our minds, by the way, Hendrico loves everyone. He doesn't hate anyone, especially Redcliffe. Let me tell you, Redcliffe, I drove with Hendrico for a long time. He said lots of nice things. He didn't say anything bad. He loves you guys and he's excited for the future. Are you? That's good. So this quote, what comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. Let me read that again. What comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. How we view God. When you think of God, what do you think of? Because it's the most important thing because how you think about God is the filter that you see everything else through. How you live your life is going to be lived through that filter. It's like if you view Hendrico as someone who hates you, it's going to change your whole relationship with him, obviously. But how you view God is going to change how you live your whole life. It changes everything. It changes how we respond in situations and it changes all things. You know, some people view God as a big, angry, bearded man in the sky who likes to punish people for fun. Others see him more like Santa Claus who will give them what they want, but only if they do the right thing, if they behave. You know, another wrong view is that he's just like us. You know, he's, he's just like us humans. He thinks the same way that we do, and he, he lives and makes decisions the same way that we do. If that's how we view God, if those are the ways we view Him, we're going to respond to situations the wrong way because that is not who God is. You know, the first person who thinks that He's a big angry God will live in fear of God or even hatred towards Him and never enter into a relationship because they just think He's there to punish Him. The second person who thinks that He's Santa Claus will put all their effort into doing the right thing and Maybe one day when something bad happens, they're going to think, God, why is this happening to me? I've, I've been good. I've done the right thing. I've lived life the right way. And the third person who thinks that he's just like us will struggle to surrender to God because they can't fully trust him. If he's just like us, how could we fully trust him? But he's not. His ways are higher than our own ways. And so we can trust him. So those are some wrong ways of thinking about God. But here's the truth about God. Here's some verses that I'm just going to fire off. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. 
He is the only God. He is the only Lord. Colossians 1 verse 16. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoke and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? You know, the Christian life doesn't work if we don't recognize who God truly is. If we don't really know who he is, who his, what his character is, what he does, it doesn't work. Some people even think, even some Christians have this kind of thing in the back of their mind that we don't actually really need him. Like, he's good, but some of us somehow in the back of our mind kind of think, I probably could get by without him. I could get by without God. And it's just this thought in the back of our minds. Maybe, you know, some people think he's just a nice addition to our lives. He makes things nice. I like the family that I get with church. I like the tingly feeling that I get at the altar. You know, he's not just a nice addition to our lives. He is the sustainer of our souls. He is our creator. He is the Lord of all creation. You know, literally, God is so good. I was driving to church this morning. I was just praying. And um, just, I can only say it's God because it was, you know, you know when you, you just think something or you feel something and it's just like, I, I didn't bring that on. You know, that's not something I've thought or felt before and it was just different. And literally, and praise God for it, and I'm praying that it happens more. I just was overcome with this awe that He's God. Like, I don't even know how to say it. He is God. He is the Lord. He is the creator. And He's so, so real. I think the, the danger of what we do these days, we focus so much on this personal relationship. And I thank God for the personal relationship that I can have with Him. I love the personal relationship, the intimacy that I can have with God. How amazing that He's not a distant God. He is a close God. And I love that. But in pursuit of intimacy with God, I think we've wandered down the path of familiarity. I think we've got too familiar with God. And when you become too familiar with someone, you start to get too comfortable and kind of let some things through. And that's what happened as I was driving this morning. I think I'd become too familiar with God. And all of a sudden there was this, no, this is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He, he is real. He is not just some confined thing. He is omnipresent. He is in all places. And, you know, Pastor Joe's been saying recently, it's just this simple revelation of where two or three are gathered. God is there. And it's just these revelations of, oh, my goodness. When I pray, I'm talking to God. I'm talking to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who created me, the one who created everything around us. And you know, I don't even know if this revelation is coming across. Well, if it doesn't, pray that prayer tonight. God, let me see you for who you really are. Because let me tell you, just this morning, that has shifted how I see things. As I was worshiping, as I'm praying, I'm just like, wow, God, you are Lord. You are God over all things. And it helps us to not get too familiar, not to get too comfortable. We can be intimate with Him, but don't get familiar with Him. Can I get the band up on stage? You know, it's kind of like when uh, you get into a, a relationship with someone and right at the start, 
you know, you will do whatever it takes. You always put on your nicest clothes. You put on the best deodorant and cologne and you do your hair up really nice. You know, you make sure you're thinking about every single word that you say. You think about all the words you said when you get home and you're just like overanalyzing everything. You're just really thinking about everything that happens. You put in the most effort to make sure that you hanging out goes well. And all of this happens. And then, you know, a few months, few years, maybe for those who are married, tens of years later, I don't know what it gets like then, but you get comfortable, you get familiar. And that's a good thing. You should get comfortable, I think. Like, you know, maybe not too familiar, but like, it's, it's good if, man, if it stayed, can you imagine if life, like your whole marriage was just like that first month of dating? As much as of like a thrill it is, oh, it's stressful. <laughs> Let me tell you, so I'm youth pastor, which means that I am, uh, you know, I get to pass, uh, there's the youth, but also like a lot of our, you know, 18 to 25 year olds where there's lots of single people and people are finding relationships. I, I love it. Like, I love these guys. You know, our youth leaders are incredible. They are amazing. They give up so much and they are amazing. You know, just on Friday night, Morayfield had an outreach night where they had 108 people with 27 salvations. How good is that? Come on. But I sometimes sit, you know, in meetings with some of these guys where they're going through struggles or even when it's like good times. I sit there being like, man, I'm so glad I'm not in that stage anymore. Like, it's stressful. It's not fun. But after a bit of time, you relax. You get a bit more comfortable. And that's, that's a good thing. But, you know, in the Bible, we see a story of people getting too comfortable and familiar with God. The Israelites, when they got uh, freed from Egypt... They, they were in slavery for so long. They get freed from Egypt and they praise God and they celebrate God. He split the sea and they go through it and it's amazing. But then it doesn't even take that long for them to start to question God. They're in the wilderness and He's even providing for them. He's providing food for them. He's providing sustenance for them. But they still question God. They even start to say like, you know, it'd be better for us to be back in Egypt. And they get too familiar. This God who performed crazy miracles to free them and they're comfortable and too familiar. And in this familiarity, they turn to their own devices and they end up worshipping idols. They start to choose idols to worship over worshipping God and choosing Him. Let me tell you tonight, church, when we don't think God is enough, we will put something else in His place. You will. When you don't think God is enough, you will put something in His place. You were created to worship. You are a being who was created to worship. It is part of your DNA to worship. So if you are not worshiping God, there is something else you are worshiping. Now, it might not look like, you know, with a thousand hallelujahs, I praise my PS5. It might not look like that. It might be something else. It might be a good thing. You know, exercise, that's a good thing. But some people, some people are way too addicted to, to the gym or maybe it's to the opposite side. Maybe you're addicted to your fridge or maybe, you know, there's something else. What are you putting in place of God? What is there in your life that you're not willing to give up for God? Because if you put God first in your life, you are willing to put, give up anything. There is nothing that you won't give up for Him. There's nothing that you won't lay down. It might be painful. It might be hard. But God, I put you first, so I will give it to you. You know, Abraham got this promise from God and his son. And God asked him to, to, to sacrifice him. And his response is yes. How crazy is that? Who does that? 
It's because Abraham put God first in his life. He put God first in his life. You know, I have a question for you tonight, church. We talked about conditional, conditional faith before. I want to ask you tonight, what is your one condition? What is your but? What is your, you know, God, I will give my whole life to you, but you can't take this one thing. What is your thing that if, if it was taken away, it would shake your faith? It would cause you to take God down from number one in your life. Now, I just feel like I need to say this. I, I want to, if you're going through something hard or when you go through something hard, you know, God doesn't just ditch us if we, if we struggle through that. He is, he is gracious and He is kind and He is loving. So I don't, want to hear, I don't want you to hear this as a, no, you need to have God number one all the time. And if you don't, you're a failure. That's not true. I want tonight to be an encouragement to you that if He's not number one in your life, let's put in effort. Let's put Him back in that place. So I don't worry about what happened yesterday. Tomorrow, choose to put Him first in your life. You know, the rich young ruler, his condition, he wanted to follow Jesus. He was a good guy. But then Jesus says, go sell all your possessions and follow me. And he couldn't do that. He couldn't let go of all his possessions. You know, Job, Job, he had everything taken away from him. Let me ask you this, as a hypothetical, this isn't gonna happen. But if you had everything taken away from you, if you were in Job's position, it's a crazy question. I am, I'm thinking about this myself. Like, you know, it's going to shake anyone. But come on, what if we could be Christians who could say, even if everything was taken away, God, I'll still love you. I'll still be faithful to you. I'll put you first through it all. It's kind of a good, good test. God, if you took this away, would I still be faithful? God, if you took that away, maybe it's a dream. If you didn't achieve this dream that you have, will you still be faithful to God? Or is that going to cause you to say, oh, God, I don't know if you're really faithful. What is your one condition? Have a think about that this week. Think about it and then process it with God and tell Him and say, you know, God, I still don't know how I'd handle it if that got taken away from me. Please help me. Please help me because I want to put you first in my life. You know, Matthew 16, verse 25 to 26 says this, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Those who want to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for Him will find it. Tonight I encourage you to come to God and lay it all down at His feet to put Him first like you've never done before. Surrender Him to Him like you've never done before. Tonight, make the tough decision. Maybe there's been something that I've been talking about as I've been preaching that's just been on your heart. There's something that you're like, oh, I can't let go of that. Maybe there's something you know you need to let go of and it's kind of been, you've been thinking about it the whole time. Tonight, let's surrender it to Him. Put Him first in your life. Put Him first in your life decisions. Put Him first in your worship, in your family, in your finances. It's time to surrender it all to Him. Because when you put Him first in those things, everything is going to benefit in your life. If you put Him first in your family, your family will benefit. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now. We're going to have a time of worship. What I want us to do is the team are going to sing this song. It's a song of surrender. It's a song, Nothing Else. If you don't know it, just let the team sing it over you. But I want us to come to God and every single one of us, 
has a step to take. Maybe for you, you know, you're not even a Christian. Tonight that step can be to start a relationship with Him. Maybe you're in a really good place. Let me tell you, there's still another step we can take to continue to put God first in our lives. So we're just going to bring the house lights down a little bit. We're going to sing this song. And as we worship to this song, if you want to come to the altar as an act of God, to just say, God, I put you first. God, I put you first. I surrender. If you want to surrender something to Him, as we sing this song at any point, you can come, you can kneel if you want to. We're going to worship to this song. And let's put Him first tonight. Let's go, team. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Tell him this tonight. Nothing else, nothing else will Surrender to him right now. There's nothing else. He is the only thing you need tonight. Nothing else, there is nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. Come on, I just want you guys.
because he's worthy of our praise. Sing this out. I really feel like there's some people who are here tonight who are facing decisions in their life and you're still in your seats and you're almost still there, maybe because it's a little bit too scary to come out. Like if you come out, then maybe God will take control and then that's scary because it's not in your hands anymore. I encourage you that it's best in God's hands. It's best when you give it to God. That is the best way every time. And so tonight, Come on, if you're in your seats and you're facing something, something that you feel like you need to make a decision on, or maybe it's a person in your life that, you know, has wandered away from God and you're a bit scared to give it to His hands, whatever it is, I feel like there's people who are in their seats. I want you to come forward. I want you to come forward as an act to say, God, I give it to you. Because God, I put you first and it's best in your hands. And so if that's you, if you're still in your seat, why don't you come forward as we sing this bridge, nothing else. Why don't you come forward and surrender this to God? Come on, I just want you and nothing else. I just want you. Let's surrender to Him. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Come on, this is powerful singing this. We just want Him. Lift your hands and declare to the Lord. And nothing else. There's nothing that we need more than you, God. We put you first. We put you first over everything, God. There is nothing we won't surrender to you. There is nothing that you can't take away, God. Because you are holy and you are mighty and you are Lord of all creation. There's nothing else, Lord. surrender to you, that you would take your rightful place in our lives as King of our lives, as Lord of our lives. God, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's inconvenient, we choose your way, God. 
It's a scary thing to pray, but God, we know that your way is the best way. So we say, take your place in our lives, God. Just say that right now. God, take your place in our lives. Take your place in our lives. Come on, let's sing this. Take your place. Lift it up. Take your place. Lift your hands right now as we sing this to our God. It's where you belong, God. It's where you belong. So I will exalt your name over all. Jesus is Come on, Lord. sing it again. Take your place. Jesus is Lord. Take your place. now I really believe that if people there's people in this place tonight that if you truly say that to God take your place in my life there is breakthrough for you tonight I really feel like God has breakthrough for some people and it's on the other side of giving him the rightful place as king of your life and so right now if that's you and you, you want that breakthrough, you need, you need breakthrough in your life, would you just lift your hand right now? I want to pray for you. Is there anyone? There's people around. Let's gather around these people. Raise your hand. If you need breakthrough in your life, lift your hand right now. And I believe that as we say, God, take your rightful place as King and Lord of our my life, that there is going to be breakthrough that comes in the surrender to Him. So come on, let's pray for these people right now. God, we thank you. That as we surrender, as we give you the rightful place as King and Lord of our lives, Lord, you bring breakthrough. God, you bring freedom. God, you bring blessing. So we pray over these people with their hands lifted right now. And we thank you for the breakthrough that you are bringing. Lord, we thank you for the testimony that you're bringing. Lord, for the freedom that you're bringing. Thank you that whatever they're going through is done right now, God. And we declare right now that you have the victory in their lives. You have already won the war. You have overcome the world. And so we declare breakthrough in Jesus' Name over their lives and take your place as King and Lord in their lives. You are Jesus. You are King. You are Lord. Come on, let's sing. You are mighty. 